you doing? Oh, you're passing things out? You're playing Usher tonight. Our ushers are slow. So, hey, slow and steady, that's all that matters. At least you're doing it. So, did you remember your oxygen tonight, though? Okay, praise the Lord. That's good. All right, yeah. And, uh, Joyce is moving you to the side room tonight, it looks like. She's... Oh, okay. Yes, so that's good. We're glad you're here tonight. Welcome to church. Let's go ahead and have a word of prayer, and we'll get going tonight. Father in heaven, we're grateful for another Sunday night to be gathered together in your house. Thank you for this morning. Thank you for your love for us, and thank you for all that you've done and all that you are doing. I pray tonight as we gather here that you would work in our midst and that we would get something from your word, and that tonight as we sing and all that goes on, I just pray that you'd be pleased and glorified. We love you. We need you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Matthew, do you mind closing that back door for me? The far back door, far back door. So that, and then you guys can be seated. And we're glad you're here tonight. We're going to run through a couple of announcements. Oh, we're supposed to go over guests and visitors. Marquise, do you have someone here with you tonight? I'm um, your visitor. Marquise's fiance, is that what you said? Yeah. I was telling Marquise, we had to get Sandy here because people at church, they didn't really believe it. They needed to see. And so now, now your faith has some sight to it, and it's true. And so we're excited for them and glad to have them here tonight. And in a moment, Sandy's going to come sing for us. And a couple of announcements we're going to run through. Next Sunday is Mental Health Sunday. And so all of you that need help with your mental health, be here. I, that's me. We all... If we want to be technical, we're all mental cases if we want to be technical. So it's true. It's very true. And uh, those who don't think they are, they are too. But I, I encourage you next Sunday, Sunday morning and Sunday night, and it will be a help and encourage you as well, teach you some things. Something else, just hearing, hearing his message, it really, like I said, I've listened to his message when he preached at Liberty probably four times already. And he preached three different ones. And I'm still going back because there's still a lot more to process. And really, my whole idea for our theme for one another came from hearing his preaching there. That's where it came from. And there's a lot of great stuff there that we need. And it will also, one thing it will do, it will give us compassion on people as well as be a help to us and keep our eyes focused on things. And so I'm excited about it as well. He'll talk a little bit about his ministry and what the Lord is doing in his life and He's allowed to have a ministry where he can be gone some of the time. He's just not allowed to be gone all the time. As long as he's here, some will be happy, and that will be a good thing. And um, I also mentioned Super Bowl Sunday. It looks like, to me, it's going to be the 49ers and the uh, Kansas City Chiefs. And so I don't see... None of our Packer fans are here tonight, are they? And, uh, they're home Louis sent me a picture a little bit ago, all Packer fans, and it had a, a paper bag over the head, you know, and so poor, poor Packer fans. Now they know how I feel all the time, so I don't feel bad for them. And uh, so on Super Bowl Sunday, after the, so we'll have our first service normal, our second service. After the second service, we're going to have soup. Bring your own soup. If you have a special recipe, whatever, Super Bowl. We're going to have bowls, Super Bowl. Get it? You put it together. Yeah. A little clever there, right? Corny and clever. Yes, that's exactly it. And so 
the plan is we'll have, so I know some of you come first service, you're like, well, I don't know if I want to come back after second. Maybe that week, come to the second service. When we start our double services, it's crazy how it worked. Our first service was not very full, and the second service was really full. Now the first service is full, and the second service is, has a lot of room in it. And so there's, it's probably double tonight what it was the second service this morning. It's kind of crazy how that was this morning, and it's not always that way. But on that Sunday after the second service, we'll eat together, and those who want to stay, well, we're going to have our service at 2. And I know there's been people who say, Pastor, it's super, and I'm, I'm a firm believer, God would come way before a Super Bowl. There's no comparison between the two. And if you would stay home as a 49er fan to watch your team play in the Super Bowl over going to church, which God's command us not to forsake the assembling of ourselves together, it's wrong. So, and I used to be of the type, fine, you stay home, you go ahead and be wrong, and I'm just going to do what I do. And that's how I've always been. A couple years ago, Brian changed a little bit. I'm like, Let's have service early, and I can get more people in church so that they're in church and do what's right, and then they can do what they want to after that. So that's a good way to do it. So at 2 o'clock, we'll have our evening service on that Sunday, and then those who want to stick around, we'll watch the game together and fellowship together. And, but if you're going to be a poor sport or a poor winning sport, I don't know how you want to word that, a poor loser or a poor winner, I don't want you around me. So, and uh, I'm just teasing. So that will be that Sunday. I think that's it for announcements. We're going to go ahead and have Sandy's going to come and she's going to sing. Marquise, are you backing her up tonight? No? Sandy told me that um, before the service that she said, I was wondering, is he going to like have me give my testimony or do anything like that? So Sandy, you should take a minute before you sing and just tell us about you a little bit. Let us know a little bit about you. And so that's a good thing. And then when you're done, you can sing. If you're too embarrassed to do that, it's okay too. But we, we, so it's fine. Sure. Okay, good, good, good. I was just mentally preparing myself in case you did something out of the box. <laughs> no, uh, my name is Sandy Roberson. I grew up in Long Beach, California. Uh, when I was about 18 months old, my brother is nine years older than I am, so he was about 11. And the bus ministry had reached him, and so my mom, um, she was a single mother. Um, she decided to bring us both there. At that, at that time, we lived in North Long Beach, so she ended up moving to downtown Long Beach where the church was. And I'm so thankful I got to go to a Christian school, um, kinder through 12th grade because of it. Um, and yeah, so um, I grew up in church, and I had heard the gospel many times. And I believe when I was like five, I made a profession of faith. But when I was 11 years old, um, I made assurance of my salvation and got baptized October 4, 2003. And then um, after I graduated from high school, I ended up going to Bible college. And then um, as soon as I graduated, I've been serving the Lord since, which is kind of crazy. It's been like seven years now. But um, yep, now I serve as a first grade teacher there at Liberty Baptist Church, Newport Christian School. Um, and I'm privileged to be the choir director as well. So just a, a little bit about me.
Amen. Thank you so much for that. Why should I gain from his reward? I cannot give an answer. Can't answer that one, right? Why, why should we be blessed in any way? But this I know with all my heart, his wounds paid my ransom. Thank God for the love of God. And we are called as a church to rise up, take that message to a lost and dying world. And we'll sing that, oh, church, arise, put your armor on. Oh, church, arise and put your armor on. Hear the call of Christ our captain. For now the weak can say that they are strong in the strength that God has given. With shield of faith and belt of truth, 
will stand against the devil's lies. An army bold, whose battle cry is love, reaching out to those in darkness. Our call to war, to love the captive soul, but to rage against the captor. And with the sword, the wounded whole, we will fight with faith and valor. When faced with trials on every side, we know the outcome is secure. And Christ will have the prize for which he died, an inheritance of nations. Come see the cross where love and mercy meet as the Son of God is stricken. Then see his foes lie crushed beneath his feet for the conqueror has risen. And as the stone is rolled away and Christ emerges from the grave, this victory march till the day every eye and heart shall see him. So spirit come, put strength in every stride, give grace for every hurdle that we may run with faith to win the prize of a servant good and faithful. As saints of old still line the way, retelling triumphs of His grace. We hear their calls and hunger for the day. We stand in glory. Grace singing, my Jesus, I love Thee, I know Thou art mine. That's page 215. If you'd like to follow along in your hymn book. My Jesus, I love thee, I know. Mine for thee, all the follies of sin I resign. My gracious Redeemer, my Savior art Thou. If ever I love Thee, my Jesus, tis I love Thee because thou hast first loved me and purchased my pardon on Calvary's tree. I love thee for thy brow if ever I 
my Jesus, tis now I love thee in life I will love in death and praise thee as long as thou lendest me breath and say when the death do lies cold on my brow if ever I love thee my Jesus in mansions of glory sing it in mansions of glory and endless delight I'll ever adore thee in heaven so bright I'll sing with the glittering crown on my brow if ever I love thee, Jesus, tis now. And we're sure of that promise of heaven and those, and those mansions in glory because of the shed blood of Jesus Christ, the song that we introduced last week. We'll continue to learn it together. No other fount, nothing can for sin atone. Nothing can for sin atone. Hope is found in you alone. Sin and death are overcome only by your precious blood. Nothing good that I have done no praise of mine could be enough. All my striving ends in vain. My righteousness found in your name. Only your blood has the power. There is no other no other fount I know. Jesus, your love made a way. No other fount I know can save. For my pardon. For my pardon, this I see. The Lamb of God, my victory. Hell defeated by your love, it is finished, you have won. Only your blood has the power, there is no other, no other fount I know. Jesus, your love made a way. 
no other fount I know can save. Only your blood has the power. There is no other, no other fount I know. Jesus, your love made a way. No other fount I know can save. No other fount I know can save. No other fount I know can save. Now by this I'll reach my home held secure before your throne. This is all my hope and peace the Son of God poured out for me. Great. Um, offering here in a minute. And uh, Sandy, you said a curveball, right? You got another song you could sing tonight at the end? You got another one? Yeah, you could do it with, you could talk to her and figure it out. So good. All right, at the end of the service. So that'll give you time to either text while I'm preaching or send subliminal messages back and forth. Or send Marquise back and forth to talk in between. Send him as the messenger there. So um, we're going to take our offering tonight. Eddie, if you wouldn't mind helping with that tonight. And then Louis, I'll have you help as well. And, uh, or Marquise, you can. Marquise tonight, that'll work. And um, Ryan, is the Facebook working now? You're not touching anything? <laughs> the, f the funniest thing, Ryan is such a perfectionist and tries to do everything so perfectly. And so it's no big deal that it got messed up. It's okay. No big deal. But it, it bugs him. It bugs him completely. I, I'm getting to know him pretty well. And uh, you just need a little bit of me and you, and it won't bother you. It's all right. Just roll, roll with the flow. It's all good. And... Uh, we all know the devil's in all that stuff anyways. That's why that stuff happens. And so, anyways, we'll go ahead and pray for the offering. Let's be faithful in our tithes and offerings. And uh, Marquise, why don't you go ahead and pray for the offering tonight?
I love when the people of God sing together. Can you imagine what's going to be like in heaven when millions of voices are going to be singing out to the Lord? I just can't wait. One of my favorite things to do as a church is just sing together. And I love, I thank God for a church that likes to sing and sings. We might not all sing on key, but at least we, we belt it out and sing. The room is filled with praise to the Lord, and that's a good thing. We have taken a break from our books of the Bible. It seems like we haven't been here in a while. We're on the book of Ezra tonight. So you can take your Bibles to Ezra. Does anyone not have a copy of the notes for tonight? I know our slow usher was trying to help get all that stuff passed around tonight. And so if the slow usher passed you by and you didn't get it, if you need a copy, there should be two different sheets. First one's going to have a map on the front in color. And then the back page of the second one is going to have... Uh, something that looks like this, which we'll watch the video here in just a minute. And so we'll get into the book of Ezra tonight, and uh, we'll get back to it. And uh, so we look at this, and we get to the book of Ezra. What you're going to see is when we get into later books, the major and minor prophets, they're going to bounce back and forth during the time of Israel before captivity. And then there are going to be a few that talk about during captivity, and we'll tie all those things together. Um, before I started this series, I, um, a pastor friend of mine helped me, and I think that Sandy knows that pastor friend well. He did a whole series on the books of the Bible, and he gave me some insights where he went. He gave me a website, and I started watching those videos that we play in the service. And I had never, the reason why I have you watch the video, there is something that is towards the end. I, I don't always love the delivery on how they do with certain things, but towards the end, it really got me thinking because. I never thought the way that it was talked about. The, they do Ezra and Nehemiah together. And so you'll see it. It's about eight minutes long. We're going to watch the video. Then I'll get back and we'll talk about the book of Ezra tonight.
A lot of stuff I never would have thought completely about there, and some, and uh, I like that, and I believe I believe one of the reasons why things didn't get much better over time is they needed a new, they needed Christ, and the whole Old Testament points to that fact. And so tonight we're going to go through our notes here. We'll look at several things. It's been a while since we've been on the books of the Bible, so I'm going to review just for a minute here. We know God created everything in the book of Genesis, and you have the fall of man and the beginning of Israel. Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob are the main characters. You have Joseph in Egypt, and Moses led the children of Israel out of Egypt. And after Moses and Joshua, there were judges that ruled in the land. I'm just giving a brief overview. And after the judges, kings came into power. Saul, David, David's son Solomon, Solomon's son Rehoboam. With Rehoboam, the kingdom splits into two. And there was a civil war, divided the kingdom. And then, after many years, the, the Israel was taken captive by the Assyrians and were in exile. And then Judah was taken in exile by Nebuchadnezzar and, Babel, and Babylon for about 70 years. And after 70 years of captivity in Babylon, some of the Jewish people began to come back to Jerusalem and start to rebuild what was destroyed by Nebuchadnezzar. That's where we get into the book of Ezra and Nehemiah. Tonight we are just looking at the book of Ezra, but you can see on your first page, or you see that map there. Do you see the distance that was? That was quite a distance. And so it was a long ways to come and to go home. Can you imagine being in captivity for so long and finally being able to go home? In a car, that would have taken a little bit of time, but walking or whatever the case may be, that would have taken quite a bit of time. Now, post-captivity Old Testament, there are six books that are contained that talk about after-captivity. Those six books are, and I think it's in your notes, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi. Those six books are after the exile. So what you're going to see is you say, well, why don't they just put all the exile books in order right there for us. Wouldn't that be nice? You say, why? I don't know. Not my job to figure it out. The Bible's set up a certain way, and if God wanted differently, guess what? It would be different. This is the way God wants us to have it. And so when we look at this, those six books take up after the captivity. And like, like they said in the video, there are many believe that Ezra and Nehemiah were one book to begin with, and then through time they've been separated but my summary for the book of Ezra is very simple, coming home. The book is named after one of the main characters. We mentioned there are three main characters, Zerubbabel, Ezra, and I say Nehemiah. He says it a lot differently than me, but I speak English, and he's trying to give a little um, Hebrew there to it. Now, when you think about Israel, and I'm just running through some things. We'll get to some scripture here in a minute. But when you think about Israel, there were three returns from Babylon that took place. The first one was led under Zerubbabel. You saw that in the video there. And that was about the year 538 B.C. And they came to rebuild the temple. Now, if you put the Bible together in your mind and think with me for a minute, remember the book of Haggai was written and the temple, the foundation had been laid but there were several years that went by where, the, where nothing else on the temple was finished. So during the time of Zerubbabel is the time that Haggai and Zechariah prophesied during that time. 
So as, as uh, Zerubbabel's trying to get the temple built, they take a break. And remember the book of Haggai? They're concerned about their own things. They built their own houses, but they left God's house in waste. And God says, why are you leaving my house in waste? You've taken care of yourself. It's time to get back and do my house. And God says he's going to use Zerubbabel to do these things, and he empowers the people to do the work of God. And that's what Zechariah and Haggai together. So those two books really would be right here in that time in the book of Ezra here. And we'll talk more about that maybe as we go through. When we talk, and then we had Zerubbabel, you have Ezra. And Ezra, Zerubbabel came and rebuilt the temple. You see, the temple was the first thing that was built. Next thing you see, Ezra, he came to help with the proper, pure and proper worship. Temple's built, the next thing you need to know how to properly worship God. Very important. And then you have Nehemiah, and he rebuilds the walls of Jerusalem. And between the book of Ezra and Nehemiah, it's a span of about 100 years during this time. And if you want to look at probably the key verse, and you, you might say, Pastor, I think there's a different key verse. Then that's totally fine. That's the key verse you would think. My key verse would be, go to chapter number 7 with me. Ezra chapter number 7. Ezra chapter number 7, and look with me in verse number 10. It says, For Ezra had prepared his heart to seek the law of the Lord, and to do it, and to teach in Israel statutes and judgments. Israel needed a man like Ezra during this time. And he was preparing himself to do things God's way, and to seek God, and to do things God's way. And what we, how we could use that in our own lives today, we need more Ezra's that would seek the Lord and do things his way. And when you think about Ezra, who was Ezra? Since the book is, has his name in it, what is significant? What, who is Ezra? He was a priest. He was a descendant of Aaron. He was a scribe. And so he also, you think about this, he was well known to Artaxerxes. And with the permission of the king, Ezra in about 1800 um, 1,800 men and their families went back to Jerusalem. It took them four months to make that journey. Four months. That's quite a long time. And when we look here and as we look at all these different things and as we study it, go to Ezra chapter number one with me tonight. Go back to chapter number one. And look at what it says. It says, Now in the first year of Cyrus, king of Persia, that the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah might be fulfilled, the Lord stirred up the spirit of Cyrus, king of Persia, that he made a proclamation throughout all his kingdom and put it in writing, saying, You see that what was what happened? A prophecy that Jeremiah made was fulfilled by God. A hundred and fifty years prior to the book of Ezra here, is when, was when Jeremiah made this prophecy. I want you to see it real quick. Go to Jeremiah chapter number, or actually, sorry, not Jeremiah. Uh, go with me to Isaiah chapter 44. Is it Isaiah? Did I, put the, I might put the wrong thing in my notes here. I think it's supposed to be Jeremiah 44. I don't know why I put Isaiah. Isaiah. 
Now that verse, verse number 28, look at what it says. So it says, Thus saith of Cyrus, that saith of Cyrus, he is my shepherd and shall perform all my pleasure, even saying to Jerusalem, Thou shalt be built, and to the temple thy foundation shall be laid. 150 years before it happened. Think back 150 years ago. One person writes a little something and says, oh, this is what's going to happen in 150 years. You'd be like, yeah, right. Yeah, right. Look at chapter 45, verse 1 and 2. Thus saith the Lord to the anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand have I holden to subdue nations before him. And I will loose the loins of kings to open before him the two leaved gates, and the gates shall not be shut. And I will go before thee and make thee a crooked place straight. You see these different things that are listed through here. What I want you to understand something is this. If God says something, church, God always means what he says. And 150 years, and I'm sure Israel would have liked God's promise to be made and kept a lot sooner. But God's timetable is never our timetable. And But this is the one thing you can rest assured of. When God says something, he means everything he says. And one of the things you can see throughout the Bible, one of the reasons I believe we have the Bible, is so, church, you can understand you can trust God. Because when he says something, he comes through every single time. Every single time. And it's an amazing thing. And people will say, well, there's no way the Bible was, it was written. It's a book written by men. Okay? You tell me a man that could prophesy something 150 years before and it happened just the way it was said. That's not possible. It had to be because of God, and we see that. And so when we take the book of Ezra and we break it down, and uh, let me see what, where I'm at on my notes here. Um, and when we break it down into sections here, you basically break it down into just a few different things. First thing you see is the people were restored to the land. Chapters 1 through 6, that's the first thing that you see here. Under Zerubbabel, they're going back into Jerusalem and these things, and God brings them back under the leadership of Zerubbabel. And we heard that his name means planted in Babylon. And chapters 3 through 6 describes the rebuilding of the temple. And in chapter number 4 of Ezra here, that's when that 15-year period of stoppage happened. It's between chapter 4 and chapter 5 where you really could insert Haggai and Zechariah right there. Because that's right where it is. It fits right into what is going on right at that time. And Haggai and Zechariah, they begin to preach, and the people gain strength and courage and start building again. And, when you, and then in chapter 5, you see it continuing going on. And one thought I had for you, and tonight I know on Sunday nights as we go through books of the Bible, it's more information for you. But there's always got to be application and things to apply to our lives. I want you to go with me super quick to Haggai chapter 2. Now, you might say super quick. Haggai, where's that at? It's somewhere in the Old Testament. And before long, we will be there. But it, find Haggai tonight. Haggai chapter number 2, 
say, what verse, Pastor? That's why I turn there, because I'm going to give you a verse when I get there. Actually, go with me a little bit further. Go to Zechariah. You're right there, so you should be able to find it. And uh, chapter number... I love when the, a verse isn't right where I think it should be right in the Bible. It's supposed to be, you're supposed to be right there. And it's not right there where I thought it was going to be. And uh, God had called Zerubbabel to be the leader here and to lead Israel to build the temple and those that had returned. And I thought it was chapter number 4, and it's got to be chapter number 4, and it's right there. It's in the middle of the verse of chapter 4, verse number 6. And God was going to use Zerubbabel in a great way. And look what it says here. Then he answered and spake unto me, saying, This is the word of the Lord unto Zerubbabel, saying, Not by might, nor by power, but by my spirit, saith the Lord. Who art thou, O great mountain, before Zerubbabel? Thou shalt become a plain. And he shall bring forth the headstone thereof with shoutings, cryings, grace, grace unto thee. And the Bible just lets us know here that Zerubbabel is going to be the one that God uses. But that's what I want you to get. Zerubbabel was not going to do what he needed to do in his own strength, in his own power. He needed the Spirit of God. And I want to remind you of something tonight, church. Your might, your power will get you nowhere. We need, right Felix, that hike yesterday? Your might and your power didn't help you out too much yesterday, did it? I heard he almost had to be medevaced out of the mountains yesterday. And, uh, and he, almost, he almost didn't come out. His wife made it just fine, but he couldn't do it. That's what I heard. And uh, you say, Pastor, do you go? No, because I wouldn't have made it. I don't, that was quite a hike you guys went on. But as you, could you see the ocean? That's a little too high climbing. Unless I'm in my car and get up there, then that's great. But you're never going to do anything without the Lord. And don't forget that. God's called us to do many things. And in church work and in all the things we do for the Lord, it is not by our might. It's not by our power. It's through His Spirit that things are done, how we need His Spirit we go back to the book of Ezra, and as we keep talking about this thing, the temple's completed, and they celebrate that. And there are some, as you saw, some were sad because they saw they knew the previous temple and knew all that would take place, that all had taken place. But God gave them a new temple, and do you know something? Though this temple, the second temple, was not as great as Solomon's temple. You read in there about how Solomon's temple, all the beauty, the gold, all the things they had for Solomon's temple. This second te temple didn't have all those things. But do you know the first temple never had Jesus Christ walk in it? And this temple would? And sometimes we get so caught up on so many different things, that temple is special because Jesus would walk through there. And praise God they had a temple again. And as they look at that and as the temple is finished up, we see again 50 years a break follows here, and then we see the events take place. Esther's around this time. The book of Esther would take place before Ezra chapter number 7. 
And that's where it's believed to have taken place. And we'll plug that in when we get to the, and as we go through further into things. But in chapter number 7, we see that another emperor, Artaxerxes, makes a decree and sends Ezra the priest back to Jerusalem. And we see, if you go to chapter number 7 of Ezra, go there real quick. Chapter 7. And we're going somewhere and we're almost done. We're almost done. Ezra chapter number 7. And look at verse number 1. It says, Now after these things, in the reign of Artaxerxes, king of Persia, Ezra, and it goes through these list of names, and it says in verse number 6, This Ezra went up from Babylon. He was a ready scribe in the law of Moses, which the Lord God... Do you see how he was, he was a ready scribe? He knew it. He was ready to go. I wonder if... Are we ready for God when He's ready to use us? Are you prepared? You can go all through the Bible. David spent a lot of time as a shepherd boy, and God prepared him for what God had for him ahead. You see the fact that Ezra was ready. If God called you tonight, are you ready? Be prepared. That's why study to show thyself approved. We talked about this morning. We keep on reading here. It says, The Lord God of Israel had given the king, granted him all his requests according to the hand of the Lord his God upon him. And there went up some of the children of Israel and of the priests and of the Levites and the singers and the porters and the Nethams um, unto Jerusalem in the seventh year of our exercises of the king. And he came to Jerusalem in the fifth month, which was the seventh year of, of the king. And upon the first day of the first month when he began he to go up from Babylon, on the first day of the fifth month he came to Jerusalem. That's how he got the four months from there. According to the good hand of the Lord his God. And look, and Ezra had prepared his heart. He was a prepared man. Young people, you need to be prepared. Parents, it's your job to prepare your young people for what God has ahead and for life. That's your job. We should all be prepared. I, all, I see a common theme throughout the Bible. Prepare, God uses prepared people. Are you prepared? It's an important thing. We see it right here with Ezra, and he was ready to do the work that God had for him. And the purpose of learning the Bible and all of this, we see this, and he had a purpose for his life. We see number one there, the fact in chapters 1 through 6, we see the people are restored to the land. Then the second thing is, the word was restored to the people. We see that in chapters 7 through 10. We see the return of Ezra. We see rebellion in chapters 9, verse 1 and 2. And look at chapter 9 here, Ezra chapter 9, verse 1 and 2. The Bible says, Now, when these things were done, the princes came to me, saying, The people of Israel, the priests and Levites, have not separated themselves from the people of the lands, doing according to the abominations even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites, the Egyptians, and the Amorites. For they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, so, they, so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of the, those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and rulers have been chief in this trespass. And you could read and you can mark a side note, Deuteronomy chapter 7, verse 3 and 4. God told them, don't marry 
the wrong people. Because the wrong people will pull you away from me. And the Levites here, it was important for them and all of God's people. That's why it's so important, even the decisions we make today and young people who they marry. And it's amazing to me. I just, just the other day, I was talking to a young man, a good Christian young man, grew up in church. And he's got a girlfriend, real excited about this girlfriend. And he's like, oh, but she's not a Christian. How, how can that work? They know better. Another young person I know, oh, I've got a girlfriend and she's, and we're, we really like each other, but she's Catholic. Tell me how a Baptist and a Catholic can mix together and have kids. What's going to happen? Oh, I guess it could work out over in that situation. John and Debbie are raising their hands over there. Okay, you have, you have, a, you have a child and you're both staunch, you're not going to change. Debbie just worked on John and got him to get right. And so, thank God for Debbie and John's life. We'll put it that way right there. Thank God for a Joyce and Russ's life. Because who knows, John and Russ, what they would be today if it wasn't for their wives being, being Christian. And now, and, but anyways, you think about all that. So you have a child and do you do their first communion? And one is real, yes, you do. And one says, no, that's not Bible. You're pull. It just doesn't work. Can two walk together except they be agreed? A Christian should marry a Christian. And young people, don't let your heart wander because God knows what he's saying in his book. And so many people think that Solomon thought he knew better than God. And the, probably a wiser man than any of us sitting in this room put, or all of us put together still was fooled. Don't fall for it. Don't do those things. We see the rebellion there. And God's people are supposed to be different. And you see in verse number 3 there, and when I heard this, this was Ezra, I rent my garments and my mantle and plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard and sat down astonished. You see how the sin bothered him? And church, sin should still bother us. Sin should still bother us. The other day I was dealing with a situation and people are real happy about the situation. But the situation was brought about by sin. And I just, they left my office and I wept. Because it's not right. We just don't get it. Sin should still bother us. And in this world, sin does not bother this world. Have you noticed that? It doesn't. And in fact, it's more and more open and more and more open. But it ought to bother us. And then I love, and I know we're running out of time, but you've got to read this with me. Look at verse number 5. Look at Ezra's confession of Israel's sins. And at the evening sacrifice, I rose up from my heaviness. Having rent my garments and my mantle, I fell upon my knees and spread out my hands unto the Lord my God and said, O my God, I am ashamed and blushed to lift up my face to thee, my God. For our iniquities are increased over our head and our trespasses grown up into the heavens. Since the days of our fathers have we been in great trespass against this day. And for our iniquities have we, our kings and our priests, have delivered 
um, been delivered into the hand of the kings of the land to the sword, to captivity, and to spoil, and to confusion of face as it is this day. And now for a little space, grace hath been shown from the Lord our God to give us a remnant to escape and to give us a nail in his holy place that our God may enlighten our eyes and give us a little reviving in our bondage. For we are bondmen, yet our God hath not forsaken us in our bondage, but hath extended mercy unto us in the sight of the kings of Persia to give us a reviving to set up the house of our God and to repair the desolation thereof and to give us a wall in Judah and in Jerusalem. And now, O oh our God, what shall we say after this? For we have forsaken thy commandments. We keep on reading there, but do you see that prayer? Man, something that convicted me as I studied his prayer, we look at our country and what a waste of so many, how we violate God's laws all the time. Abortion. You know, and you notice, well, do you see Ezra didn't say anything about, oh, God, I feel bad about their sin. It's our sin. Man, what God could do if we would have Christians who would get on their knees and beg God for his forgiveness like Ezra. Powerful, great passage of Scripture to study and how we need that. And then, as we get to the, some takeaways tonight, I just want to give you a couple application thoughts tonight, and we'll be on our way, and we'll be done here. Number one is this. God can use unlikely sources to accomplish his work. He used heathen kings. Cyrus, Artaxerxes, and truly the king's heart is in the hand of the Lord. It truly is. And God can use unlikely sources to accomplish His work. Another thing that you see in the book of Ezra is this. God's work will always have opponents. There will always be opposition to it. Expect it, continue on, and follow God in spite of it. But God's work will always have its opponents. And then, God's word is powerful. Man, the prophet Isaiah, his prophecies coming true. The prophet Jeremiah, his prophecies that came true. God's word is sure. And even, church, let me remind you tonight, even when you doubt, and there are times we doubt, even when we look at life and we look at things, we wonder, is God truly good i was with, met with someone a couple weeks ago they're struggling big time i talked to them and god does not promise everything in life will be good but my god does promise everything will work together for good if you love god called by his he it will work out together for good you say why How, what what proof do you have because god told 150 years before ezra ever came along what was going to happen, and it happened. Because God said time and time again in the Old Testament, this is what's going to happen, and it took place. Why am I sure that Jesus is coming again? Because all his promises to this point have been true. It means he's coming again. Why do I believe that heaven's a real place? Because everything the Bible says is true, and it's happened. 
And when God says something, you can trust Him. You can believe anything He says. And praise God for it. We see a coming home for the children of Israel. But there was, there's more to it. I think just as that video that we watched, they needed a new heart. Because man can be given chance after chance after chance, chance, and man will always mess things up. The only hope we have is Jesus Christ. He is still the answer today. And so I hope tonight that you take some of those things and apply them to your lives. And I know, I, I mentioned before, and sometimes teaching is, I'm, I'm a preacher. I work on my teaching a lot. And uh, there's probably others that get up here and teach better than I do through these books. But if you can just pick up some little bits and pieces and then get in your Bible. Study God's Word. Man, so you read through and you read the book of Haggai and you just read there's like, whoa, what's going on? Well, why don't you do what I just said? Read the first four chapters of Ezra. Plug in the book of Haggai and Zechariah right there. And then read chapter number five. Plug in the book of Esther between chapter five and chapter six. And then put Malachi toward, at the very end. Read all six of those together. It might help you get a little bit more. We need to be in the Word of God. We need to study God's Word. God's Word, we mentioned it this morning, it will make or break your Christianity, what you do with the book. And the whole goal of Sunday nights right now is not to make you wiser. It's to give you a little bit of info so you'll get in the book. I could give you way more. I could break down Ezra a lot deeper. But why? Why can't you break it down for yourself? And I also have said this before, if you've got questions, and people do this at times, if you're reading a passage of Scripture and you're having a hard time, send me a text. Call me. Leave me a message. I will do my best. And I'll tell you this, I don't have all the answers. But i got other people I talk to who might have answers too. And if you need help with a passage of Scripture, let me help you. And keep growing in the things of God. We need to be people of the book. And this whole series is in vain if we're not spending more time in the book and learning more about God and His Word and growing in it. Father, bless the rest of our evening. Thank you for your love for us. And I pray you bless the rest of tonight and uh, this week and all that goes on. We love you. We thank you for your love for us. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Well, I didn't know you were coming back up. So, Caroline didn't feel she needed the message tonight, I think. to say God's been good in my life I feel blessed
I wouldn't change them if I could. Cause through it all, God's been good. Times replay, and I can see that I've cried some bitter tears. But I felt his arms around me as I faced my greatest fears. You see, I've had more gains and losses, and I've known more joy than hurt. As his grace rolled down upon me, undeserved, for God's been good in my And though I've had my share of hard times, I wouldn't change them if I could. Cause through it all, God's been good. God has been my father, my savior and my friend. His love was my beginning and his love will be trying to tell you everything he is but the best way I can say it is this God's been good in my And through it all, God's been good. Amen, amen. And young people, just a little plug to you miss here tonight in just a minute. Sandy grew up in church, went to a Christian school. Marquise never got to go to a Christian school, but was faithful to church. Upland High, right? Upland High. And uh, went to Bible college, and they're doing things right. They're both 28 around that age. And God has worked in their lives and brought them don't settle for anything but God's best. And don't sacrifice the best for one moment of something. Do right. And I'm proud of both of them. I'm excited for both of them. I'm glad that they're here. And Marquise, Marquise is a good guy. I don't know why I do this. <laughs>
young people do a very good job in your life and follow that so Marquise Clemson, we're prayer. You couldn't sing for us, but you can pray for us. <laughs> Go ahead.